welcome to the Who Are You Wearing podcast with me, Kerry Pritchard-McLean. I'm a stand-up comedian that loves clothes and style and fashion and what people wear. I find it fascinating. So on this podcast, I have a little chat to people that I think are absolutely dapper. That's the best phrase for it. (laughs) So this week I'm chatting to artist, activist and absolute babe, Travis Alabanza. Now, I wish I could add comedian to that list because I think Travis is so funny and we need more good people on our team. As you can tell, we're both so excited to chat about clothes and style together and heads up, we do talk about homophobia and transphobia as well. This interview was recorded in August of 2021. Travis was in her house and I was, as per, in my cupboard. Now you might notice that this wasn't recorded that long ago, but it's because I just knew you guys would want to hear this chat as soon as possible. So get ready for a giddy, fascinating conversation as I ask Travis Alabanza, who are you wearing? It's all a blur because, you know, you take a lot of cowpole. But like, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like seven to ten, you're like, who knows? But, um, <laughs> um, but somewhere between then, I became really obsessed with clothes. I mean, my mum's very stylish um, and I kind of can only realise that now. But like she has impeccable style, very different style, but like it's so good. Um, and I think she was always very considered about what we were wearing Mm. and like wanted us to look good despite having no money. Mm. And so, yeah, from a young age, she gave us the kind of freedom to pick out our own outfits, wear what we want. And I could see, because I had an older brother who was like three years older than me, I could see the stark difference in what we were picking. And so from a young age, I think I learned that style's personal because here were these two like inverted commas boys picking like, the complete opposite clothes yeah. to wear, you know. That's so interesting. Were you looking at your brother and be like, that's how not to do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think, I obviously didn't have the words to it back then, but I was just like, in my head, I was just like, oh, that's how, like, men dress. That's how, like, you know, boys are meant to dress. And I hadn't obviously got the language for what I was. Mm. But I was just like, oh, no, that's cool. That's, like, a stylish boy. But I'm going to pick, like an art teacher on acid, so I'm going to be over there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be the one huffing cowpole there. (laughs) Yeah, 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 you have fun though. (laughs) That is amazing. So you had a strong sense of style as a kid then? Style, definitely questionable word around some of the choices, but like, yeah, I was picking wild stuff. And from a young age, like, even like school uniform was where I think I first found my personal style, which seems interesting because like, obviously it's a uniform, Mm. but like we were in a state comprehensive, you could obviously like, uniform wasn't always the biggest issue that they had. (laughs) So like I would, I would get my mum to like, sew my trousers tight at the top and then flare them out at the bottom. I would like wear like 7 million chokers and like loads of chokers up here. I remember I went through like a big, chunky cardigan phase where like each day of the week I had like a different patterned cardigan and then like match the pattern with my socks like and people were always I mean they were bad choice but this was also the era of like the indie band Mm. you know so it was very like fake you know rimmed glasses era (laughs) bow ties and I think that like I was just finding it through that you know it sounds like you were off on your own dressing yourself from a pretty young age because lots of people their parents dress them for a long time or they'll have cousins or siblings that are an influence but were you just pretty much straight out the gate putting yourself together yeah faggot straight out the gate (laughs) (laughs) the name of the autobiography yeah yeah can we just say it just say it (laughs) um yeah kind of like it sounds wanky to say like yeah i had it from the beginning but i did I, i i try and remember a time when i didn't and it's actually just not as soon as secondary school started, I was just, like, doing my own thing. And, like, by 13, 14, I had, like, seven piercings on my ear, two nose piercings. Like, it was always this push to see, like, what I could do. Mm. I bleached my afro, like, blonde, like, platinum blonde and ruined it. And then shaved the sides, like, and made this big mohawk. It was, there was a lot happening. Like, every two weeks, I'd be like, what can I modify? Um, And it wasn't to piss anyone off. It was just for me, really, you know. It did piss people off. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't an act of rebellion? Because often when when kids are being really sort of really experimenting with their style, 
um, it's a reflection of a like a personal rebellion. So do you think it was a reflection of anything or was this just you having fun? I don't know, because I've probably blocked out. <laughs> you know, I don't know, because I haven't gone into it. But, like, I don't think so. There was nothing... My mum wasn't like a, you know, normally it's like a source of rebelling out your parents, but my mum was like really okay with it. I mean, the piercings, not so much, but like, I didn't do it to piss her off. And like, I think because she knew I didn't do it to piss her off, she wasn't pissed off. Mm. I actually think I did it really because I was like screaming for a way to like signify to like external people that like, I'm not what you're saying I am. Mm. You know, that typical like 14, 15, you're like, I'm not... I'm not this, I'm that. And just, like, trying really hard. Um, but I think it was also because it, it made me feel good. Like, I think that, like, I just did it because it was joyful, you know? It was fun. I was like, wow, I'm everyone's missing a trick by not modifying yourself. Mm. Like, this is so fun that one day I can be, like, dressed in this. I remember, like, I'd pick, like, different music people to, like, copy, and I'd be like this day I'm going to be like Lady Gaga from fame and the next day I can be like um, the Kaiser Chiefs, you know? Or they, those would be my mm-hmm. mood boards. And, like, it was so cool to be able to flip like that, you know? So, so cool. Because you're like, um, you know how, like, Madonna constantly reinvents? I just imagine you being like that, but you're, like, 15 <laughs> with this gorgeous platinum afro. <laughs> the platinum afro was not gorgeous. I thought it was gorgeous at the time, and then looking back at photos, I'm like... Oh my god, people let me like walk out the house like that. <laughs> no. Um but surely like there's an element of you that looks at those pictures, which we are gonna ask for by the way. Um Oh shit, okay, got it. <laughs> got it. And and looks at them and thinks, I'd much rather see like a kid sort of reveling yeah. in their joy and finding themselves than oh, I'm one of these kids that looks like all the others in a uniform. Definitely. I look back and I'm, like, so glad I got an... I just see it as a head start. Like, really, truly, I just see it as, like... Because I I think about, like, work and now, like... And I'm, like, how how am I, like, here now? And I'm, like, oh, because I'm... I didn't, like, limit myself when I was a kid. Mm. Like, I was able to, like, not... I did what every teenager does, which is like figure themselves, spend that time figuring themselves out. But I think when you're trans and gender non-conforming, unfortunately, like it's not always safe to. And so then you have to spend your twenties, like, I mean, we're always all figuring ourselves out, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. then a lot of that experimentation happens in our twenties. And I see that with some of my friends and I'm like, oh, I think I got to do like a lot of that young. Obviously I'm still doing it now. Mm. Wait, look, I had to get you the picture. There's the blonde. I love no. it. Gorgeous. <laughs> I think that's gorgeous. Uh, and then, like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll send them through. I think it's it damaged the hair. Where's it a bit more, like, it was so... Yeah, that's it a bit more. This was when I was going for, like, indie kind of boy band. I would have fancied you so much. <laughs> I fancy no, you I now, was... even though it's illegal. Will... <laughs> I'm like, that's a very much a 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But... But I think that's the thing as well. Like my, I, I could get into clubs then. I think mm. that changed it. You know, I looked in those photos. I don't look sixteen, mm. and so being in club culture at a young age mm. was like, oh, everyone's experimenting there. Mm-hmm. So I just think I was acting too old for myself. <laughs> <laughs> were you ever then growing up? Were you ever put in an item of clothing that you hated? Because I would have thought going into this, oh. I'll talk to Travis and they will have hated their school uniform. But you were, I mean, upselling it, reinventing it so Shit. much. It's unrecognisable. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I think it's because I hated it so much. And it's because I, like, needed to. And I was like, I need to find a way to make this feel not gendered. Mm. And so I'm going to show them, like, that I'm just obviously not playing along. Um, but I remember weddings being, like, a hard time. Because, and I think I would still, I haven't gone to a wedding in so long. I need some of my friends. Stop, stop being slags. <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I, I haven't been to a wedding since my, like I was a teenager. And I found them really hard, especially like late teens. Because I wasn't confident enough to wear a dress yet. But I 
didn't know how else to do four more. And I used to see like style issues. I think what I'm figuring out in the middle of this four is like, I do think how much emphasis I put on style was a distraction to dysphoria. And I think that is what I'm learning in my 20s. It's like, mm, all of this is a distraction of like how you actually feel about your body. Mm. And so when I couldn't get a fashion assignment right, I would be so upset, like unfathomably upset. And especially for a 17 year old, like, why are you this upset? And I think weddings were when, uh, there's some photos of me at a few like formal settings and I'm just in like a white shirt and trousers. And I'm like, I would never, like, I just would never. And I look like weird, you know, like not myself. That's so interesting. What What do you think made you feel at weddings less able to express yourself than, than in school? Where to me, school is such a brutal, tough environment. Um, mm. but, but that you were just striking out and being yourself. And then weddings, you know, that you felt so disempowered that you couldn't be yourself? Well, I think, I think if I went back to school now, I would totally not be as bold. I think I was oblivious in my school years, <laughs> like beautifully oblivious. Um, and also I think, cause do you know, it's class actually, all the weddings I've been to are really posh. Right. And there's like, a, it's harder to break posh formalities I feel. Mm. Whereas my school, like, everyone was doing something fucking weird. Like, you know, so like they, the least of their issues was me having like seven shag bands on my arm. <laughs> so like, I think it was the two weddings I've ever been to in my life were like my dad's side of the family, so I don't really know them as well, and posh. And I think I let that get to me about the like expectations of other people. Mm. And I was like, I'm already dealing with meeting new people, meeting people that I don't really know. like. My dad's side of the family, like, most of them are white. So, like, I hadn't, hadn't been that around that many white people ever. So I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I need, maybe I need to be in a sensible shoe to run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not about to film Get Out the prequel, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, I didn't know. So I think, I think that's why maybe. And then in school, it was just, like, chaos, you know? When I described my secondary school, it's, it just was a chaotic time. Mm. So... You could do more chaotic things, I think, mm. because you were watching all these people also do that in their own way, you know? Mm. Not all of them were cross-dressers, but, you know, some yeah. of them were doing their own ish. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally see now why in a sort of, like, yeah, like a, a busy state school with lots going on, everyone's got stuff going on, that you felt safer there than at a very white like middle class straight in every sense of the word yeah small and big c conservative why that is a much more dangerous place for you to be yourself yeah yeah and it's that risk assessment thing again maybe at the weddings i was like oh i don't want this to take up the whole convo Mm. you know i don't want this to be the whole two days i can't be bothered yeah but looking back it is a regret because i thought i'd be at many more weddings and so i had chances but i've been at none so I've really not got the chance to plan an outfit. So I would have really gone back and <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Babe, I'm having such a nice chat for you. Me and my partner are planning on getting married in the next couple of years. You are absolutely on the list. <laughs> Just for the outfit alone. <laughs> Not me getting not me getting an invite just for pity. I love it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. If you need me to like do a lip sync or something at the wedding, Absolutely. I can I can offer that. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give you our vows and you can lip sync to those. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, did you um did you have an item of clothing or an outfit that when you were either a kid or a teenager that you loved and never wanted to take off? Yeah, oh my God. Oh, and well now I could wear it now. This is the thing, you get rid of stuff and you're like, I'm never gonna wear it again. And you're like, no, I want to. I had this like, I was addicted to vintage like charity shopping and when I was 15 mm. and stuff and I had this fucking gorgeous like red metallic bomber jacket that was like huge and puffy and I wore it everywhere and I loved it so much and it was oh it was just gorgeous and I would always get comments on it and I would wear it with like because it was quite masculine like top Mm. I would wear it with like something really tight and like feminine underneath and I felt so cool like no one could tell me shit and I'd like pair it with like two big gold earrings 
I know these little Nike Air Force. Oh my god, I was such a wanker. I loved it. <laughs> it sounds flawless. It sounds like it was hot. It was hot. I, just, you know, I dressed a lot hotter back then. Like sexy. It was sexy. It was a sexy fucking coat. Damn. Damn. <laughs> that's um. Well, we'll get onto the sexy thing later because that's really interesting what you just said. So when you were growing up. Um, I think you're a bit younger than me. What were the big trends as a teenager? Were you, were you? I know you're saying you're sort of emulating different, you know, like music icons. Yeah, yeah. But were there any trends that you were like, yes, please? Or, or were you <sighs> cherry picking from all popular culture? It's hard because, like, I never paid too much attention to trends. Um, I think, well, when I was when I was a young teenager, skinny jeans weren't being worn by men men yeah mm. so if you were wearing them you were like seen as fashionable or mm. a faggot or both obviously <laughs> um so like no i avoided all the trends my trends growing up for like i guess everyone else in stressing was like chinos that was when like all the like 14 year olds started wearing chinos <laughs> like they owned and a I was like, yeah i was like what the fuck are we doing like what's going on like why are you all wearing different color like 15 pound chinos from top man like what is happening <laughs> and so no i ran and yeah it was chi- that was it chinos just all these 14 year olds are wearing chinos and plimsolls do you remember <laughs> it was like daps like and i was like wait we wear these in pe what the fuck is happening <laughs> but i was i was quite inspired i guess my trends were like i was really into like sports wear and like I guess a wanky, ironic way that I guess now has happened again recently. Mm. So, you know, I'd wear like a lot of like Adidas dresses and like, you know, like a Nike matching outfit with heels and like that was kind of my vibe. And then I guess like, yeah, those were, that was the kind of trend that I was, I guess that was a trend at the time and I must have been just picking it up from somewhere else. Mm. But, um, and bow ties. I wore a lot of like bow ties and suspenders and like big circular glasses for a long time. Every, I don't know if that was a trend. <laughs> but every look you describe is completely different. It's completely yeah. like. Yeah. And so, or you're just going, who am I today? I just had a lot of inspirations and I think I just didn't really get... There was, like, one time I remember... God, this this is interesting because obviously I'm never asked about my clothes even though I think about them all the time. And so it's so nice to dive in because I'm very intentional about it. But there was a time when I was 17, the only time I planned what I was wearing and bought us consistent stars. I remember I was 17 and I just... I'd been making like a bit of money to me because I'd been working in retail mm-hmm. and like working like ridiculous amounts. And I was working in office, the shoe store. So I had like discount in the Cabot Circus, which is the mall. And I remember being like, I'm at a new sixth form. I'm going to try doing like minimal chic uniform. And so I bought like four black pairs of tapered trousers and seven different tops. And every day for like two months, I just wore like black minimal outfits. Why did I do this? I was 17. But it's the only time I ever, like, did do the same thing every day. Mm. And it felt really good, but it did feel like a drag experiment almost. But it was so fun. I felt really, like... And it it got me, like... I saw... I don't know. I experienced, like, clubbing differently. I definitely got more attention from, like, men. It was, like, very interesting. Um, And then I was like, this is really long and boring. Um, I can't wear the same thing every day. But it was cool. It's really yeah. cool. Because when you're talking about you sort of wearing the same thing every day, most people have that experience as a 17-year-old. And it's probably a pair of skinny jeans, maybe some Vans or Converse, a T-shirt and a hoodie. But you're like, so I went for a tapered trouser. I got shoes. I got to... It's so chic. It's, it's like Warhol to me, that kind of chic, utilitarian. It's actually how I think fashion designers dress, where they're kind of utilitarian and very chic. Yes, I'm going to go, I am going to do it again soon. I was thinking about this because basically my wardrobe at the moment, I I said to Sophie, I was like, Sophie, I'm doing a wearing podcast, but I've never been like in a weirder place with my clothes and fashion after a pandemic. And so I'm actually going back when I get a bit of money. I don't know, by Christmas, I'm going to do like another get rid and like utility wear. Also for the environment, like Mm -hmm. not to buy anything new and just to know that it's like there. But I was thinking about when I was 17 and doing it. And I was like, it did feel kind of like, I don't know. 
obsessed i'm obsessed i was i was obsessed with clothes you know obsessed i know and well that's why i wanted you on because i can see from every post on instagram and not that it's like not that i think you're curated or anything but even if you're popping up to just chat about something that i'm like i want to talk about that item of clothing i want to talk about that (laughs) i want to talk about the thing that i can see on a pile behind you i want to talk about this so i was like i have to speak to travis (laughs) wait I found a photo from my... I'll send these all to you, but this was my trip to London when I was 17, but this was the kind of utilitarian, like... Oh, my gosh. Love it. Yeah. So it is, like, almost, like, uniformy, but with a really chic edge, right? Yes, yes. And so I was 17, and I just did that. And then the next day, it would all... That again, but all in grey. Or, like, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Do you know, I I spoke to... Do you know um, Glamroo? Who's in denim? Yes, love Glamour. Yeah, love so Glamour um, is talking about a time when they were in university and they went through a stage of, you know, American apparel, apparel, whatever it is, mm-hmm. where mm. they would have like block color. I think trousers and t-shirts are the same. They went through a stage of block coloring the same thing but different colors every day. And uh, you're the only person that I've known that's done sort of a similar thing. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think I think. And, you know, I can't speak for Amri, but knowing Amri, you know, Amri's a good friend of mine. And, like, I can't speak for them, but I do think there's something about control. And I think that there is something that clothes give. Dysphoria is uncontrollable. And so I'm just speaking for me now, not Amri. But when you could have dysphoria or when you feel dysphoric or when the world gives you a dysphoric experience from constantly labelling you as something that you don't feel. And because I'm personally or wasn't at the time wanting to medically change anything I was like where can I have control Mm. and fashion does give control Mm -hmm. I'm like I get to have decide about what you look like and what you think of me Mm -hmm. and also it made me remember how kind of of a farce gender was how how it was never really about body parts because I could literally change just my clothes and the whole experience of my life when I walk outside, will change. Mm-hmm. The how I'm reacted to, how I'm responded to, how I'm gendered, how service people speak to me, how posh people speak to me, just from clothes. And they want to make it feel like it's because I'm a man, but it's actually like, no, this is just about what I'm wearing. Mm. And so I think there was something quite powerful in taking back that control, you know, for me personally. that you have now which is to me is collection of of statement pieces it's really uh it's that kind of fashion that exists above trends i see i always see lots of prints as well um and color when did that start manifesting because we know you've gone through the stage of emulating different musical icons and then you've had your chic 17 year old stage which i absolutely <laughs> love make my heart sing and then your <laughs> sort of sports sexy stage and interestingly when you talk about yourself younger you're saying it's much sexier um and it's not that i don't get sexy from you it's just that i get chic fashion from you now so when did this start or when did the transition happen we can be honest we're not getting sexy from my fashion <laughs> We can just keep it real. And it, and that's something I'm trying to change, like, in this next thing, because I've realised that I think... Um, yeah, I think it happened when I... Not when I moved to London. When I first moved to London, I still had that kind of sexy streetwear kind of look. Mm. And then I think that I started being an artist. And when I was... First, as an artist, I had this weird idea that, like, people would be thinking about my image as much as I was. And I soon learned that, like, babe, you write plays, no one cares. <laughs> but, like, because my only examples of artists growing up were pop stars, mm. I was like, pop stars have a look. Pop stars, like, have an aesthetic. Pop stars, like, care about every time they make things. Mm. And it wasn't that I wanted to be a pop star. I just was like, that feels like an artistic, an extension of your art. And so when I was making shows in the clubs, I was like, I'm always going to sit in this, like, I remember I was really strict at the beginning. I was like, everything I'm doing is going to be like pastel. It's all going to be like pop and pastel and like pop art and big and larger than life and statement and like 
clashing and nothing's going to feel chic in a traditional sense. It's going to feel like chic in this kind of mismatch sense. Mm -hmm. And I want to make outfits that people either really hate and say that I'm the worst dressed person ever or people are obsessed with and say I'm the best dressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you calm down because you learn that, like, one, you're at a club, no one gives a shit. (laughs) Or people give a shit and people don't. And two, you realise, like... yeah, like, there's going to be things more important than, than that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think I started this kind of, like, imagery. And I was also, you know, at the time, I, you know, I don't, I didn't go to art school and I didn't, like, I don't have a university degree. I did went go to university for, like, a brief moment. But, like, the only way I was building an audience was the internet. And I knew that eventually I wouldn't want to use the internet. I knew that, like, I wanted to be like just a writer and just performing. But I was like, the only way these big institutions are going to take notice of me Mm. is if I have a following and is if I have proved that I have an audience outside of them. Mm. And part of that is about image. And so I was quite, you know, I'm not, I used to be embarrassed about saying this because I was like, no one likes to hear someone being intentional about something. Everyone thinks that means you're not authentic. Mm. It's like, no, it is an extension of my authenticity. Yeah. But I was very intentional about like, part of this excitement is going to be around the looks as well. Mm. Um, And it was fun. Like, it was fun to do. It was another project, you know? I think it's so interesting what you say about being intentional, that this really unhealthy thing, which I think is rooted in classism, the idea that you can't be an artist and be business-minded, that there's some sort of, like, that your art is devalued by it, and it's like, no, no, that only comes from people whose parents are able to subsidise them through their absolutely adequate output. (laughs) Yeah! I'm like, bish, I gave myself a year. I had to make enough money to pay my rent in a year of doing this, otherwise my mum was going to be like, go back to fucking school. Yeah. You know? So, like, yes, you've got to be business-minded, and... And, you know, then it's about learning when to get that balance and when to, like, not treat as a hustle. But we have to. Because who the hell else is going to fund our fucking shit? We speak about... We talk shit on a mic on stage. <laughs> we got to, like... There's got to be another income stream. Yeah. And, you know, beyond that also, I would go outside in London, apparently the cultural capital of the world, apparently the place where everyone can be everybody and everything... And I, me and my friends would know that we'd go out and feel so alone because we'd be harassed all the time. Mm. And so I remember I started, my first project online was I'd document what I was wearing and document what happened to me when I was wearing that outfit. And so it kind of became this thing of like, look at this outfit that's praised online and look how it's also demoralised in the streets. And how are these things like balancing together? Mm. Um you know, I've got a grip and stopped being as, as expressive online in that way now. Um, but, but yeah, that at the beginning, when I had nothing, when I had no structure around me, you know, in those early years of becoming an artist and, like, doing it all by myself, mm. there was no structure around me. And so, again, I think, I'm finding this out real time with you, but I do think clothes and control, like, it was a way of creating structure, you know? Mm. That's amazing. When you're, when you're putting together looks outfits do you think of hair and makeup as part of the outfit or is that a separate thing that exists when i've got a team with me yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna keep it real i'm gonna keep it real when i'm on my own it's like baby the hair and makeup is gonna do what it can do (laughs) um it's gonna do what i have the capacity to do um and that's how i've definitely learned over the pandemic Mm -hmm. i was like wow i'm gonna be sending like uh, bouquets of flowers to my hair and makeup people <laughs> um, but yeah absolutely when I'm planning like a look for like anything else hair and makeup is part of the image mm. because I think of like um, I'm always modeling after like eras or icons or a combination mm. of both or characters from TV and so it's about them like taking their hair and like changing a bit of it changing the color maybe enlarging it like making it smaller so yeah it's always as a package yeah it's um i i just think it must be so uh how do i want to say what i'm gonna say i just i I look at you and how brilliantly expressive and fun and stylish you are and just hearing you talk then about sort of hair and makeup and things and taking everything into account that like well it's just reminding me of my own 
privilege and that to me fashion is a like a frivolous thing even though you know like i'm plus size but like that's as as close to anything i can get but like your hair is politicized your skin color your face your body Mm. your clothes everything is politicized on not even on your behalf do you know what i mean like Mm. uh, is is for you and i just think it's it's kind of incredible that you've dealt with all that pressure and just created and controlled and created controlled and created is um is amazing and that even if you weren't making such brilliant work as well just by extension of you existing it's a celebration of survival i think oh fuck (laughs) thank you well yes i know you know like yeah and also, we all, we, we all, we're all doing it in, like, our own... Whenever we put on clothes, it's a choice for all of us. And, yes, some choices have bigger consequences than others. But it's also not, like... It also, like, all of that is true, but also it brings me joy. You know, like, I'm an artistic person. And we all show our art in different ways. I can't paint for shit. I can't draw. <laughs> I can't do all of that. But, like, this is, like, a form of my creativity that just brings me happiness. And I think that is the thing in lockdown I was realising. And that's why I'm, I kind of was... I've lost my mojo a bit, you know? It was interesting getting dressed for this today because I was like, ah, oh, like, this is what it feels like to put intention into your outfit. I haven't done that for, like, a whole year, you mm. know? And it's interesting. It's I, Do I think it's a coincidence that I'm also not using social media as much? I'm also not posting as much as I used to. I'm mm. not... I'm glad for those things, but I also am like, oh, it's probably because you're not dressing up, you know? Mm. And so it's on my to-do list before the end of the year is to kind of refine what my new vibe is going to be for clothes because it's joyful. Beyond all the politics of it all, beyond what people may put on or whatever, it's just fucking fun, you know? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, that <laughs> I've tried, tried to sort of like make it really profound and you're like yeah but also just fun <laughs> also like it is I'm fun like, right this is a fun outfit it's like, a really know? fun outfit yeah and um, are there any trends that you've like repeatedly tried to pull off but it's it's not happening you need to let it go <laughs> god i'd be damned to admit this but no it's true i can't do um like you know like y2k fashion Mm -hmm. I can't do that (laughs) and people try like I'll go to shoots and the stylist will be like we haven't seen you in this we because every stylist on a shoot with me like there was a time you know where they'll be like we want to try something new Travis we never see you do this and then they'll put me in like Y2K like cool internet kid clothes and they'll be like And I'm like, yes, there's a reason why I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like, here's the knitted cardigan with the thing again, you know, begrudgingly hands it over. So, yeah, I can't do, like, the hot, the East London Club hot look that they're all doing where it's, like, low-rise trousers, loads of chair. No, I I go to the club in, like, a see-through blouse. And, like, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's just, yeah. I I just love the idea of Silas being like, we're going to be really bold and try this, and then being like, I think we can just put you in what you're wearing before. (laughs) (laughs) There's been so many times on shoots where, like, they're like, we've got a stylist. I'm like, great, I'll turn up. And then they'll put me in what they thought, like, you know, they're like, oh, 26 years old, queer, like, transgender. They'll put it in and they'll go, they'll do that pause, and they'll go, can we borrow one of your items? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least they know and they're not just trying to... Yeah. You know that thing that sometimes people can't... I think a, a, a sign of someone who's good at their job is when they can admit there's been, like, a bum steer. Um, yeah. So at least they're not, like, forcing you to have the photo shoot because they're like, no, no, this is this is what we wanted, actually. This is what we wanted from yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they'll, like, sometimes they'll push through... And I'll be like, should I just show you a photo of me in print that we can all agree is bad? Mm-hmm. And I'll show it to them. I'll be like, this is what happened when we followed through with the original rail. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you kind of get rid and clear the decks with your clothes or with your looks from time to time. Do you ever hold on to anything? Like, what's your oldest item of clothing? Especially if you like vintage as well. The issue, I've changed my, my size has shifted a lot in like the last kind of five years, which has been 
difficult because I, I didn't know whether to keep the clothes mm. or not. And I actually got rid of them all because I was like, I don't think I'm ever going back to this size. So there is no point keeping these things. And mm. I love giving my clothes to friends and people. And like, I did a sale online once for like people that f- follow me. Like it was just cute to do. Um, but I'm trying to think what I've kept. It's jackets. It's always jackets for me. I've got like, again, I've got this like really nice vintage leather bomber jacket that I've kept for about 10, 12 years. Um, and I don't think I'll ever get rid of that until all more of the sleeves are just fucking up. I won't get rid. I keep jackets, but yeah, everything else I do kind of give away, pass on um, every three or four years, really. And the next one's coming up, you know? I can feel it. Because <laughs> 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 I think I'm going to get rid of the as much of the colour. I think I'm about to do another, like, weird... Not colour, but I just want to, like... What I've learned is, like, quality. I think it's, like, me having to learn about, like, the environment more and, like, learn about waste and, like, speaking to my friends that are buy a bit more consciously. They're like, I buy less things, but they last. Mm. And... I place them together with things. And I think before, you know, this shit costs money, but Mm. before I couldn't afford that. And now, you know, I'm like, no, I could save and really buy an intentional wardrobe that doesn't Mm. need as much. Um, I think that's where I'm going. I think that's where I'm going. That's interesting. So when I would have looked at your social media, I'd be like, oh, they would love shopping and maybe be like me where I, I get a lot of reward from acquisition. I, I have to mm. understand that that's part <laughs> of who I am. Um, but how, what is your relationship with shopping changing then? Yeah, in the pandemic, I haven't bought anything, really. And not being outside completely shifted. I, I mean, we've all changed in this time. And like, the ways I've shifted, I just never thought I would. Like, before I was addicted to shopping, especially, like, I moved away from London in the pandemic as well, but being in London, every every week I would go shopping before a meeting or before a thing, I'd buy something new. Um, and just, yeah, this pandemic, moving to Bristol, where, like, obviously Bristol's got style, it's where I grew up, mm. but, like, it is a different pressure. There's not really the same pressure to, like, look flawless every day. Mm-hmm. Um... I just let, I let myself go. And then I was like, actually, I miss looking good, but I don't miss shopping. And so how can I like change that? Like I do miss feeling and looking as good. I haven't felt that much in the pandemic about my physical self. Um, But I don't miss the constant need to buy things. Mm. So how do I do this? And when I have bought things recently for like events, because it's opened up again, I felt really like not, good and not because I think buying's wrong or whatever like more because I'm like "Mm, this feels like an impulse for like something that I know I'm not going to keep you know so I actually think the 17 year old me that did the uniform was onto something (laughs) (laughs) they had it all figured out (laughs) literally I should just pause time there fuck it It would have saved me some time jeez but I was having more more sex more drugs and more alcohol back then too like come on (laughs) I think there's loads of us who would go, yeah, I think I peaked at 17 as well. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Can I ask about, um, with shopping then, do you, if and when you do it, are you online or do you much prefer being in a shop? What is what is the, if, if you're going to get joy from it or is there just no joy and it's actually quite stressful? Oh, no, there's joy. There's joy. I think. I mean, and again, it's, like, so hard to tell because I just can't remember. Mm. Like, but before before Corona, yeah, in, in store. I love um, going into vintage stores mm. and giving myself, you know, three hours in one shopping area and really just trying it all on, chatting to the people at the place, picking the shopping outfit. You know, you want to pick an outfit that you're then going to buy for. Mm-hmm. Like, I always pick an outfit when I'm shopping that is, like, the heightened version of the things I'm looking for. So that then, like, the shop person 
They give you more attention if you're in a look as well. So, you know, you're in like a fat, they think you're gonna buy shit because you look like someone that cares about buying shit. So I love the whole, I love the whole drama of it. You know, I'm like, I've picked a dramatic outfit and I'm gonna buy more dramatic outfits, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely in store. I, I used to love, you know, going around Brick Lane and just like walking around there for ages and popping into like the different places. Um, going well over my target, you know, always. Of <laughs> like, this is how much you can spend and then being like, fuck. But yeah, shopping in person over online all the time. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's this weird thing. I'm so aware of doing this podcast and I'm speaking to people who are successful that I have noticed or worked with. And then even if some of us aren't from a background with lots of money we're in a position now where we have more so it's this this everything is like dripping with this whole you know because basically everyone turns around and goes i'm trying to be sustainable i'm trying to invest more and i am so aware of like me as a kid listening to this who loved clothes who could only really go to charity shop and i loved that i thought i loved the creativeness of it but i'm just always so aware and i know you come from a background as well like that's you know like working class background so it's, do you ever find a schism with that in, in trying to think, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can hear, like, every part of my younger self being like, who the fuck is this prick? Shut up. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I mean, anything I say from this point on is going to be wankery because I think whenever we talk about these things, it sounds wankery. But, like... <laughs> What my therapist helps me with. But, um, like, that therapist that I also pay for. But, like, um, is that, you know, in our transitions in life, whether they're class transitions, gender transitions, whatever, is, like, to give ourselves grace for, like, the, the person we're becoming and the person we were. And so I'm just, like, I'm changing in lots of ways. If I had the same spending habits that I did when I was 17, but nothing's shifting. And my materialities are changed and it's about not making blanket rules for anyone else mm. but just for myself you know this is helpful for me to think more sustainable because this is a way i can think about the planet because i'm in a position where i can do that mm-hmm. um but this isn't my rule for someone else because i don't know their position you know mm-hmm. and so we all know our c- capabilities of what we can do and i'm just like hold on a minute my excuses that i used to use at- about the climate because they were excuses because i was afraid was well, that's a rich way of thinking about it. I've not got the money to do that. I can, you can fuck off. I'm not... I'm going to McDonald's because that's the only place I can afford. I'm going to shop here because it's the only place I can afford. And those were all true and valid. And then there was a point when I was using them still and I paused and I was like, wait, babe, like, that's not true anymore. Mm. Like, you actually could pause to think about where you want to invest and where you want to put in time, you know? Mm. So I think it's just personal, isn't it? Yeah. Very wise. So wise. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask if there was an era that you wish you existed in just for the Yes. Passion. Oh, yes, 50s. Really? So, my, oh my God, late 50s, early 60s. I would go down a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hands down, every single time. It's very much more structured than I expected from you, in a way. Yeah. I think I just love the shapes. I love, and uh, you know, I would invert it maybe, but I'm sure I'd still be a rebellious person there too. But I just loved how the shapes, the shift dresses, I loved like the, everywhere was a dress up of them. Mm-hmm. You were always dressed up. It was always like a time to like pull a look. Um, and I think it's where I'm going with the, I'm gonna try and go. Like just, I wanna have a wardrobe of just lots of different like, shift dresses and like always be in like a little like collared little dress you know cute cute well so i'm obsessed with twiggy you know absolute icon icon i saw her backstage at something once and i my mouth was physically hanging open you know like a cartoon yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i was like because <laughs> she did it, it like it, it it's gross and i used to say even now but like even now her presence and her look and everything. Yeah. She's a, she's like an actual icon gets thrown around a lot, but she is an mm. icon. She's an icon. Did she smell good? I didn't get close enough. I was too aware of my own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I can confidently say, yes. There's, there's no way that Twiggy stinks. 
there's just yeah, no way. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Could you imagine? Oh, God, like, what a letdown! Like, yeah, if you met Twiggy and you're like, oh, "There's just one thing though, she fucking stinks." <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd let her smell of cigarettes is is about the the only thing that I'd be like, "Okay, yeah. Twiggy can smell of cigarettes." Um, yeah, yeah. What have you got? An item of clothing that you put on and you instantly feel amazing in it? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I've got this black this black kind of uh, satin jumpsuit. And it, when you put a belt around the middle, just instantly you're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, and it's so good. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. I love a jumpsuit. So, yeah, that's my, that's my one, yeah. I love a jumpsuit. I have got so many of them. And every time I put them on, I'm like, okay, we're not having any water for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing is you're like, oh, okay, well, I surrender. Um, but I- sometimes, do you ever get a jump? Oh, I don't know. If- I don't know if you can do this with your anatomy, but with the like rock, with the clips and the underneath. Oh yeah, and then you just have to just open up and then do like a little yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Also, like women can pee standing. Oh, sorry, people with vaginas can pee standing up. You just yeah. have to sort of like really lean into it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 real 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 real. Um, real. Because I've got some like leotards that like basically like a swimsuit that had like massive uh-huh. disc sequins somewhere, and uh-huh. they have those poppers underneath, and that has Perfect. been an absolute game changer. So yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. this is I'm going to start a petition for all jumpsuits <laughs> and places to have the poppers. Funny. <laughs> you, so you you must be obsessed. Are you obsessed with clothes? Obviously, I don't I don't know your club journey, and I know it's interviewing me, but I'm intrigued. Like, what made this be the topic of the podcast? Well, I. Okay. There we go. I... There we go. For the viewers at home, there has been many sequences. <laughs> I really love because I, 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 when I started doing comedy, I always wore something. I wanted the audience to know that I'd made an effort because I know that yeah. they had to yes. be there. And then yes. I started doing sequins, and that sort of became a bit of a uniform. And is I always wear sequins now, but I, I just l- have always loved clothes and people because I just think it's the is the most accessible form of art that we have because everyone yeah. partakes in it. Not everyone does. Yeah. You know, I love to think that stand-up is actually, you know, the people's art, but it's not. Not everyone does it. They might watch it, but mm. everybody puts clothes on, which means that everybody makes a decision about how they want to be seen by the world, and I just think that is the most interesting thing in the world. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Fully, fully. And also, like, obviously, comedy's not, like, known for pulling a look. You know, tell like on stage, it. whereas like, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to fucking tell you, but like any stage, any other stage job, mm-hmm. like looks are so crafted into like what you're going to do. You're yep. going on stage. But comedy, it's almost the opposite. They're like, how can I look the least like I've just like rolled up here? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I imagine then wearing the sequins and stuff must have been like a real bold choice in comedy. It was at the time, but I think a really beautiful thing is happening in the last sort of four years where people now also because it's less centered around sort of middle-aged cis white men who you know would wear just a t-shirt and jeans or a, sh- a, sh- a shirt and jeans maybe and now there's more i like more, definitely more queer people more women doing it just more marginalized voices who are used to making a statement about the way that they look to signify something to the world they they mm. almost can't be absent-minded about the signals they send out because just by mm. being part of that marginalized group and walking on stage is a political statement so you yeah. have to be aware of every other political statement you're wearing but it's like a gorgeous thing of like people getting really dressed up to do comedy and you know like yeah. it being like people being as excited to see what a comedian's wearing and that's a very new thing um nice. and i love it best thing you've ever thrifted or secondhand that you've had i bet you've got some absolute corkers oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i have a burberry trench coat classic me burberry. too four pounds mine was oh you beat me <laughs> <laughs> a tenner a tenner so good and it's real when i checked it out and i like went and got it checked and it's just one of those classic beige Burberry trench coats and you know obsessive so right because they're so good you you feel so good in the winter when you wear it like go into a fancy meeting and you're, you're like ah yeah that's probably my best 
Yeah. That would take some beating. <laughs> That's yeah, very like, impressive. I'm thinking of like the scraggly, like fluffy jumpers. I'm like, they're good, but they're like probably not worth like 700 pounds. You got them for tenner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so with your style, it sounds like your style, it seems like it's going to be a constant evolution revolution, right? Always, yeah. I'm, I just, um, I was reading an interview by Alexis Stone, I think, the, the performance artist. And, you know, it wasn't like a, a, a person that I would normally, like, think I'd be inspired by or I necessarily follow. I just came across it, like, when I was taking a shit, you know? Like, some <laughs> interviews, you just, things you scroll. And, like, she said, like, she talked about how she reinvents herself over and over. And she said, like, I don't understand why anyone can stay satisfied with themselves for that long. And, you know, in some ways it was, like, empowering and both sad, but mm. I, I definitely resonate with the need to, like, create new looks and create new vision. And so, yeah, I can't see things changing. You know, I, my body's going to change. My face is going to change. That will change mm. how I want to do it. My hair's going to change. And so with it is always going to be clothes too. Um... And I'm excited. I'm excited. This is this podcast made me excited. I knew there's a reason I was doing this. You know, <laughs> not just to have a lovely chat, but like because I think I'm on the cusp of like trying to be intentional about mm-hmm. how I dress after a pandemic where I haven't given a shit. You know, literally would turn up in Zoom meetings with people that have known me for like years in work, and they'd be and you could see their mouths like being like, and they'd be like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine. What's up?" And they're like, "Oh, you're just," and I'm like oh, they've, like, never seen me in a T-shirt and my glasses and no makeup and just, like, pyjamas for two years, you know? And so after that time, you're naturally going to have a reinvention because that was almost a reinvention, you know? Picking two years to be in pyjamas, you know? Mm. I I tried to dress up for the first two months of, like, the pandemic. And then, like, I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Like, if I still have to try and go to work and do all these meetings about things that don't really exist. You know, mm. I work in live art, like, you know, all these meetings about things that are not happening yet. Fuck off, am I dressing up for it too? <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> it sounds like your um, pandemic, you know, just is like a, what is it? Is it chrysalis that a butterfly goes into, like mm. shuts down and then is like, okay, I'm going to become something new. So maybe that's Hopefully. what you need. Every four years, you'll just do a tracksuit phase and then it's a new Yes. Look. Exactly. Hopefully. And, you know, because some, some, of, some of our friends, we shouldn't compare, but we obviously do. Everyone's gotten hotter during a pandemic. Like, I, like, everyone coming to these new events, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, uh, I thought we were all agreeing that we were, like, disintegrating. Yes. Like, what are the, you know, like, how have you gotten hotter during a pandemic? But I certainly know I haven't. I'm very aware, like, I just haven't. I've let myself go. I've lost my, like, vibe, my mojo a bit. So I'm hoping the butterfly moment happens. It's, you know, it's kind of, I'm putting it out in the universe, you know. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, because if this is what you're like when you're in your cocoon stage, I'm already very <laughs> excited by it. <laughs> is there an item of clothing, even with all these reinventions going on, that you can always see yourself wearing? Uh, yeah, my, sh- my, my shoes, my, my, my docks. I can always, they've survived every single, I've had docs since I was 14. Um, and they've survived every reinvention, just the classic eight-hole doc. I can always find a where they're going to fit. And my doc shoes, this is awkward because it looks like I, I have been sponsored by them recently, but I'm not <laughs> saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, let's just log off. Let's just log off. Um, is it a black... Eight, eight hole. Yeah. yeah, perfect. I just, they've lasted, the t- they've lasted, and I'm not being paid to say this. I've just the truth. I've just worn them for edge, forever. Because you can, you know, what I love is that you can, like, in a really dressed up outfit, a doc brings it down and shows people that you're, like, not one to fuck with. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I've even, like, in a play suit or, like, a little, like, short thing, a doc's, it's just good. And I think if you've got one of those days where, like, you're going to multiple things and you need one shoe... I do a dock because yeah. a heel. I used to be that girl that would be like, "I'm gonna wear a heel all day, every day," and fuck you to think I can't do it. And then, like at 10 p.m., I'm like hobbling, and if anyone looks, I'm like, "I'm fine, I'm fine." <laughs> no, don't you assume it's transphobic of you to assume that I can't walk in a heel all day. <laughs> 
I was socialised in heels growing up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, no, bish, your toe's hurting, you know. <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> um, are there any trends that you're hoping never come back? Um, oh, well, it's, it's creeping back, isn't it? The low-rise jean. Oh, fuck off. So hideous. Fuck off. Fuck off. It's a low blow. It's a low blow. Oh, no, fuck. No, no, no. I feel like it's so unfair that it hit me when I was a teenager when you hate every part of your body and now it's hitting me at the point where my metabolism has thoroughly slowed down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your metabolism, you know what? It's... (laughs) So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've tag teamed with the low rise gene. They're like, metabolism out, low rise gene in. <laughs> but I want to be more controversial because everyone hates the low rise gene. And why, why are we not here to get a controversial sound bout? <laughs> Crocs. Stop. Yeah. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, and people are trying to make it okay. I'm seeing lots of different types of people wearing a croc from different corners of the universe. You know, I'm seeing my Y2K internet girls in the clubs wearing Crocs. I'm seeing my Lucy and Yak peace givers wearing Crocs. <laughs> Everyone is doing the Crocs. And I just don't agree with it. And people are doing them at clubs, out at cafes, for dressing up. I'm so- I, look, freedom of choice, whatever. But, and I will, actually, you know what, I'm gonna call in my community. I'm seeing a lot of my LGBTQI girls, my girls and my theys doing it. And it's going to stop us getting our rights. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm like, I wouldn't want to give us rights if I was in a platform croc. So we need to think tactically. We're in one of the most, we're in one of the most homophobic governments we have ever had. And you want to wear a croc? It's the section 28 of footwear. (laughs) (laughs) Scream, scream. My friend sent me a picture. She's just, um, uh, Rachel Febben, who I do a podcast with, she sent me a picture of some leopard print ones. And I was like, I'm sorry, when did you sign up to train to be a nurse? Because unless you're out going gardening or you're a nurse, those are the only possible times you can wear a croc. It's this. I'm sorry. Enough is enough. You're going for brunch. (laughs) You don't need a croc. Well, oh, I'm sorry, you're arduous. Uh, obviously, disclaimer, if you're a nurse, you've got feet issues, all of this. Yep, 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 yep. If, however, your feet would be fine in a trainer, put one fucking on. <laughs> put it on. Stop embarrassing yourself. No. <laughs> my, <laughs> we're going, I'm going on holiday with my friends and all of them have got crocs. And I was just, I was, and you know, if there was ever a group of friends to persuade me that it's fashionable, I'll see. Maybe I'll take this back. This clip will come back and I'll have to do a notes apology and say, look, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was a different person. <laughs> um, but after speaking to the crocs community, I realised that I've made some mistakes. I've done, so I've decided to donate a hundred pounds to the next person I see wearing crocs. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Final question then. Final question is, what would you wear to be um, buried or cremated in? Oh, fucking morbid one time. I know. On yeah, on our real high. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, when I make a fashion choice around an event, obviously not the wedding of when I'm 17, but since then, a traditional event like this, it means I would die, pardon the pun, at the chance to be able to take the modern twist of a funeral. So it would always be black Mm -hmm. and it would be veiled and it would be lace because I'd obviously want to play on this idea of the funeral, Mm -hmm. which has all this image. So yeah, I think it would be like a veil laced veil down mm-hmm. to the floor and then like a black laced bodysuit <gasps> like or cat suit and one of those cat suits where they the they turn into the heel you know when the oh heel's my connected God. i love those so much yes yes and i would just be there and then that's the glamour they need to have a little bit of camp because you need to just have that twist so i don't know what the joke ah okay so like maybe i'm holding something like a gun or like I'm holding something that signifies how I died. And then like (laughs) on the gun is written in like cursive black writing, like the bitch is dead or like she's gone. You know, something like there has to be something there like that, you know? Oh my God. I absolutely, (laughs) I'll be honest. I want you to be shot just so I can come along and see that now. (laughs) 
I know a person. <laughs> you said you went to a rough state school. I believe yeah. that. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in hiding right now. Actually. <laughs> How much of a babe is Travis? And I think we can all agree it's worth following them on Instagram if you don't already, just in case they have a clearer and sell their clothes. I'm so excited for that to happen. Also, I can't wait to see them returning to their iconic 17-year-old chic uniform too. You know, I think before all these chats, I was sort of thinking that style and, and self-expression was sort of a destination that you arrive at. But I started to feel like it's a journey, guys. That you you it never stops because who you are changes all the time. She says, sounding like a magnet on a fridge. <laughs> I apologise. It is time for some of your lush messages because we don't need to hear any more from me. Um, this is a great one. Lovely email here from Sophie. So Sophie says, heads up, there's going to be some nice things in here about me and I'm going to pretend that I hate it. But I am reading it out. Hi, long time listener, first time writer. Firstly, the podcast is so interesting. I started listening because I love Kiri in line but it's fascinating and it's making me think about my style choices when before I would not have thought that fashion in my life has much of an intersection secondly I just want to praise Kiri oh go on then <laughs> so embarrassing <clears throat> I actually first heard of Kiri when you were emceeing one of the nights at the Bristol Comedy Garden a few years ago for great gig and even though your sections were short and sweet I had never felt so connected and represented by a comedian oh what a nice thing to say and then I started following you online wherever possible and realised that you were wearing some excellent sequin costumes and you weren't a size zero. How dare you? I'm actually a size two. <laughs> uh, Sophie says, maybe that meant I could also wear sequins. Brackets, I blame all my isolated hero. <laughs> oh, I love this. I bl- Brackets, I blame all my isolated heroes purchases on you. I take a full blame for that. Um, and recently I'm becoming so much more body confident and Sophie says, including wearing my first bikini this year from the cult, nonetheless. This is so rough. I refer to snag tights as a cult, okay? I apologise if anyone from snag is listening, um, but it's because the people who buy your tights are so effusive about them, it's like they've drunk Kool-Aid. So that is the reference there. I saw they were doing bikinis, very exciting. Sophie says, in fact, I was featured on their socials in it. Oh my God, I'm going to go and seek you out because I genuinely have been looking at all those brilliant people in those bikinis have been like, everybody looks like an absolute babe. So I'm going to go and track you down like a creep. Um, and so he says, I genuinely, oh, this is so lovely. I genuinely cite you as one of my influences when I think about my journey with body positivity. So thank you for all you're doing for women in making us feel good about who we are. Oh my gosh, this is so nice. Um, I hope that you know that you are genuinely doing so much with your comedy. It's so relatable, so funny, and you always look excellent whilst you do it. That is so nice. I'm not sure how relatable my new stuff is. I've got 10 minutes on rescue chickens. <laughs> oh, so Sophie says, just wanted to say thanks, really, for making this fat lass feel quite a lot less shit and alone. Oh, mate. Oh, P.S. I've seen that you started playing rugby. Congrats. I played for years until an injury stopped me. Look up Rugget RFC if you want some kit made for women by women. Interesting. I was the second row if you ever need any hints. Thanks so much, Sophie. Sophie, what a lovely, lovely message. Gosh, I'm quite, um, yeah, I'm quite, quite emotional over that. What a lovely thing to say. Um, it's nice that, um, I, I've made anyone feel nicer about the body they're in. I, yeah, I, I just, I hope we can all get to a stage one point where we are happy with the, the shells that we've come in. <laughs> um, however changing and, and difficult they can feel like they are. Um, pff, I'd rugby advice. Oh, mate, what's your advice for what do you do if you dislocate your finger on the first time you try and do it and then manage to sustain an injury every time since? But I absolutely love it. Um, so, yes, if I um, if I ever get past the point where I'm just going to training just because it's a bit of fun and I like getting sweaty, I will hit you up, Sophie, and I'm definitely going to go and find you on the Colts Instagram. I'm sorry, snag people. Um you should all go and follow us though on Instagram uh, at Who Are You Wearing Pod, especially this week because Travis has sent some absolute beauts over. So we always put up um pictures uh over the week 
of outfits that our guests have sent us and yeah we've got some corkers coming up if you want to write to us as well you can email who you wearing pod at gmail.com i cannot promise that i won't leave read it out and i cannot promise that i won't get weirdly emotional over it um oh we've had a five-star review as well from katie who says fantastic podcast i've really enjoyed the show over the last few weeks it's a great podcast and listening to kiri and her guests talking about the fashion highs and lows and all the reminiscing about past fashions especially has been fab i'm an orkelino for the fan yay and literally only ever listen to true crime podcasts so this has been a really lovely change <laughs> yeah some time off murder and i've discovered some fab instagram accounts from listening coco Fennell in particular right i can't decide if i like her dresses or her house the most i know i know yeah so good um i've been yeah pouring over everything she posts she's such a good egg um, it is time to sing from the rafters about an indie business that I love. So please get to know Kay Mabel. So that's the letter K and a dash and then Mabel, like the girl's name. You can find them on their website and on Insta. Now, I first found them because of their stunning earrings. And they're a really good mix of like chic contemporary metalwork. And then they've got big like statement pieces of flowers and big plastic pieces as well. Um, I've got a pair that are essentially massive butterfly wings and they always get compliments. So since I first saw them, they've also started making accessories for men and bags, things like that. They're made to order. They're sustainably made with vegan leather as well. So pretty guilt-free shopping there. But not only do they make beautiful stuff, this is a company with purpose because Every sale that Kay Mabel makes, they put money towards hearing aids for young people who have hearing loss in Dakar, Senegal and Mozambique. Um, and the founder as well, who speaks five languages, just dead cash. And um, they've recently set up Kay Lam Abel. Um, this is a project working with young people with hearing impairment to ensure that they're properly supported in their learning environments. It's really inspiring stuff. Do check them out. I'm going to be back with another episode next Monday. And before then, could you do me a favour, please? Um, could you give us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts? It really helps with stuff. Um, right, that is enough. so much of me. Uh, you've got a really special chat next week uh, with Rosie Jones. See you then. Who Are You Wearing is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production.